Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hi there, and welcome to the Transformation for Success show, and thank you to all my local, national, and international listeners. I want you to keep those emails and responses coming. We're always delighted to get your feedback. You know, we've got such an exciting show for you today. I am so excited. You know, I have, as my guest today, Daryl Williams, who is a noted bassist, composer, and artist who has performed and toured with such hoo-hoo of smooth jazz as Huge Groove and Michael Langton, Gerald Albright, just to name a few, Peter White, whom I love, Brenda Russell, Paul Brown, I tell you, and the list goes on and on. And on top of everything else, Daryl is one of the main stage bassists for the Dave Cause and Friends Jazz Cruise. He continues to record today, and I am so excited that we're getting his transformational story today. So listen, this is a show for everyone, the young, the bold, the restless, and those jazz music lovers out there. So call your friends. Tell them to join the show today live, or they can down this show later for their listening pleasure at voiceamerica.com. You know, this show is syndicated, and we're on the Empowerment and Women's channels on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and it replays at 1 p.m., Pacific Standard Time on Fridays. So now I'm giving you the opportunity for those of you out there who want to ask Daryl a question or me, I welcome you to call in live or you can Skype your comments or questions to us during the show at info at transformationforsuccess.com. And if you want to call in, that number to call in is 1-888-346-9141. So today, Daryl is going to share his transformational journey in the music industry and how he always brings a message of always bring your A-game. So, Daryl, it is so great to have you on the show today. It's great to be here, Dr. B. Thank you for having me. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm so enthralled with you because I know you in person. I've seen you perform, and I am so excited. And next time you ask me, I'm going to try to see, get my courage up to sing <laughs> with the group. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> well, right. let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. Um Daryl Williams is a naturally gifted musician, and he began playing bass at the young age of 13. Isn't that interesting? Um, And only two years into his career as a bassist, he began playing at local clubs and events around San Diego, which is his hometown. So he's had the opportunity to open up for the R&B groups. He's played with gospel legend Shirley Caesar at age 16. And the thing about Daryl is when he graduated from high school, he was able to do a four-month tour in Japan with with other other talented musicians that he states as unforgettable. And I'm going to have him share about that. Because when he returned back to the States, uh, he did a three-month tour opening for the soul legend Al Green. For those of you fans out there, if you don't know Al Green, you may want to look up some of his old CDs and his records. And Daryl has continued to excel in his musical challenge, uh, talents, and he just released his second CD, Here to Say, with critical acclaim. So he's also garnered a Billboard Top 10 hit that features smooth jazz superstar Huge Groove. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Daryl. <laughs> That's so, right. Huge Groove. That's right. Oh, right. That's right. I got it. So 
Listeners out there want to stay tuned as Daryl shares his incredible journey. And he's going to release his second single, which has hit the Billboard charts. Do you remember? I want to know all about that. So, Daryl, tell me this. Did you ever, ever think that you would have as much success as a jazz bassist? Because I can't believe your mom was saying, go ahead, Daryl, just do it, baby. Just <laughs> Maybe she's telling you to get a day job. You, you know, it's funny. You know, it's funny. Uh, early on, I was more into the whole Prince kind of thing. Prince and, you know, yeah. in my uh, teens, I was really into that kind of thing. Even though I listened to uh, jazz and even smooth jazz as, at an early age, I still wanted to be, you know, I was, highly energetic in my uh-huh. late teens and my uh, brother's a guitar player. So we were, you know, we were like the brothers Johnson, I guess, <laughs> So you know, we had a lot of, you know, high energy, but I think after we got back from Japan and we did the, the uh, road stuff opening for Al Green, I think we all just wanted something uh, different. You know, I wanted to learn more about my instrument and uh, branch off into other uh, music and my brother, you know, he wanted to do the same thing, just in a different genre. He was more into rock. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how that happened. So wow. early on, I didn't necessarily envision myself as an artist, mainly as wow. a, side, a side musician is what I had uh-huh. always uh-huh. envisioned myself as, you know, early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, cha- what changed this? Was this, uh, you know, going to Japan? And I mean, what changed your, your mindset? Well, it took time in my um, 20s. Well, in my late um, 20s, I moved to Las Vegas. And, Mm -hmm. you know, once again, I was still a side man, but I had the opportunity, you know, to work with some great artists. Clint Mm -hmm. Holmes, this this, um, pianist named Galib Galab. I also worked, when I was out there, I worked with um, Tevin Campbell, Mm -hmm. uh, Keith Washington. I mean, a whole bunch of people. And I I did a... I was actually the first call um, sub with uh, Shaka Khan as well. So, mm-hmm. but I was still, I was still a side man, and and you know uh, I still am. I still work with a bunch of different artists, but mm-hmm. in my, uh, I would have to say about two thousand and five, I started to work on my own music, and That's I still funny. really didn't see myself releasing a CD at the time. I just was, you know, you know, mm-hmm. recording music and writing music. Mm-hmm. And as I begin to write more, then I could envision myself recording a full CD. You That's know, interesting. So it, it took a mm-hmm. little bit of time. Well, I you had know, to um, envision it I, first, though. I appreciate your sharing that, you know, because in today's music industry, jazz has the broadest perspective of all genres in music since its first right. note to the present day. And right. um, there are so many greats who started uh, playing bass. And, but I want to get back to, uh, you have been so successful as a jazz bassist, but I want to know, because you had said your experience in Japan, I'm taking you back now, was so unforgettable. Okay, no problem. And the reason why I ask that is because when um, African-Americans leave this country and go to another country, and you're coming from San right. Diego, California, and right. going to Japan, what was that experience like for you? That was so unforgettable. Well, it was a whole different thing uh, in relation, you know, in comparison to uh, the United States, because over there, honestly, mm-hmm. they treated us really well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I never felt even slightly, you know, discriminated against or anything like that when I was in mm-hmm. Japan. Uh, none of mm-hmm. us did. We just, 
had fun, and at 18 years old, they treated us like we were celebrities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was great. Yeah, it was great. So They really treated us you, well. What do you think you learned from that experience, though, when, that you were able to, to relate and bring back to the States? What did you learn from that? Well, that you, uh, that you should always, number one, try to have fun when you're performing. Because, you know, we mm-hmm. played from 10 at night to 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. Uh, six nights a week, yeah, while we were in Japan. So after a couple months of that, you start getting burnout. But mm-hmm. if, if you're not having fun, then the audience, they're not going to have fun. That's okay, true. so mm-hmm. I learned to always, always make it fun when you're performing. Uh, Under any good... circumstance, you know, always make it fun. That's one of the things I really learned from being there. And that's great. That's a great lesson to learn, too. Because do you think there are performers that perform and they're really not having fun? Oh, yeah. Well, you can, you can see that. You can mm-hmm. watch artists who are kind of just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of just looking at their watch, waiting for the time to be up. I committed to 90 minutes, so I'm going to do this 90 minutes, and they're not really into it for some reason. You know, mm-hmm. either mm-hmm. that one hit. Okay, like, for example, you have an artist who may have a number one hit, and they don't even, you know, perform it anymore. Uh-huh. There's plenty uh-huh. of artists like that. And the reason why they don't perform that one hit anymore is because they're, they're bored of it. They're tired of it. But oh, you wow. always have to, you have to always remember what got you there. So That's always, enter, you know, you know, anytime somebody spends money to see you, you have to entertain them and always enjoy yourself and make it uh-huh. fun so they can have fun. But sure, you see plenty of artists who are not having fun. And that's it. And that's interesting. And I've seen you perform in person and boy, you always seem like you're having fun (laughs) and engaging the audience. So, I mean, because I know you and I've seen you, I can say that to my listeners now that boy, you always seem like you're having fun. And I, and I love that about you. Um, Let's talk about uh, jazz a bit. Uh, When we talk about jazz bassist, was it easy for you to pick that up and do it? Or did you have another choice that you thought you might enjoy in terms of an instrument? Well, as far as the basic, you know, that's actually a great question. That's a great question because early on, I really wanted to play guitar because it was more exciting. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he's always the guy in the front. You know, the guitar player is always the guy running around. And However, everyone in my neighborhood had a guitar. There were no bass players. So I was, I was pretty much forced into playing the bass in, in a sense. Okay. You know, yeah. Now, one of the things I know, back in 1971, there were no rules for actually playing bass. Right. So was this the case for you? There ever really no, you, no rules for playing bass at that time? Well, uh, I started playing uh, in the late 70s or early 80s, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Things had changed. You know, that's a great question, but I'm kind of thinking about it right now as far as no rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listen to individuals who play with no restrictions, basically. Mm-hmm. So I never really thought of it as having rules, I guess. You know, well, the re- one of the things I that's asked... A, that's uh, a great question. That's kind of making <laughs> me think a little bit, Daryl. Yeah. Well, that's great, Daryl. Because um, one of the things I do know... Uh, from my experiences, limited as they were in the music industry, is that bass play- bass players used to use their fingers 
and and they right. never used to pick. Mm-hmm. But I, I've learned since that a number of really good bassists, famous, they're famous, they actually use their picks and that a pick is a part of their signature sound. So I wanted to ask you, what did you feel about that? Because I've seen you and I know you use a pick. Well, actually, I play with my thumb a lot, mm-hmm. uh, which okay. I learned that from watching Larry Graham. It sounds okay. like you're you're playing with a, a pick because it's so aggressive sounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but wow. yeah, I learned from watching Lewis Johnson from Brothers Johnson. Uh, mm-hmm. He was also on you know most of the Michael Jackson records. He was really at the time he was my uh, biggest influence on the bass guitar because he was so aggressive in his sound mm-hmm. and playing. Mm-hmm. And of course, Larry Graham from uh, Sly and the Family Stone and Graham uh, Central Station a little bit later. Mm-hmm. And Marcus Miller. You know, when you watch these guys, they're using their thumb, but it has a very aggressive sound. And it, it can sound smooth as like well. You have a, it can sound like you, you know, have a pick. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. It, but it's, you know, because it's so aggressive sounding, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm playing with my thumb, using my thumb. Wow. Well, I've never been up close to see you know up close and personal. I would say. <laughs> I'll show you up close next time I'm I'm soloing or something. I'll walk up close to you so you can see my thumb. <laughs> well, your thumb must be calloused. I mean, how do I mean? How do you get it so that it's you know you don't have any serious implications with that playing with your thumb? Just years of just years of practice. Okay. Years of practice and and time. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. practice. Was there, uh, were there any other jazz bassists that really influenced you in your career journey? Uh, yeah, there were, uh, you know, with the exception of, you know, uh, the guys I named, there was uh, Nathan East, who's from San Diego. I used mm-hmm. to hear about him all the time. You know, mm-hmm. everybody used to talk about Nathan East. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and there was a few more uh, local guys in San Diego who were great. Uh, Cecil McBee Jr., Mark Hunter from Fatburger, a, a bassist named Mario Daly. Mm-hmm. Okay. I used to love, I was underage and I used to sneak in the clubs. I had a fake ID, used to sneak in the clubs <laughs> and watch a lot of these local bass players who were incredible talents in town. Wow, Daryl. And of course, all, all the uh, famous guys, in clubs, uh, underage. Stanley Clark, of course. <laughs> you know, here's a funny story, actually. I was walking home from my grandparents' house, and I had a Brothers Johnson album in my arm as I was walking. And I mm-hmm. walked into a store, and the guy behind the counter said, Oh, man, yeah, the Brothers Johnson, man. Yeah, Lewis Johnson, he's the second greatest bass player in the world. And I said, Well, who's the first? He said, Stanley Clark. And I had never heard of Stanley Clark at that point. That's how I got hip to Stanley Clark. Oh my goodness! Oh my, yeah, some guy at a store. <laughs> He's right up there with Charles Mingus and Paul Chambers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with upright basis as well, you know, like you just mentioned, uh, Charles Mingus, Paul Chambers, mm-hmm. Ron Carter, yep. Sam Jones, uh, Scott Lafaro. There's a bunch of those upright uh, basses that influenced me as well early on. But that's great, you know. Well, you know what, Daryl? Yeah. This has been so informative, and I know, listeners, you've enjoyed this out there. But you know what? We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back with my guest, Daryl Williams. Thank you for listening. Sounds good. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas. 
at Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you left the cage that held you back but find yourself in the wild of your life wondering, what do I do now? I'm Dr. Lisa Cooney, and today I'm going to give you the tools to answer that question. Regardless of the issue, your choices of the past no longer need to haunt you. You have the power to change that and to create from a space of fun and ease. How different can your life be? Find out. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, thank you for listening and welcome back to my guest today, who is the noted bassist, composer, and artist, Daryl Williams, who's performed and toured with some of the who's who's of smooth jazz. And so, Daryl, as we went on break, we were sharing a little bit. I'm making you think about some of these questions I'm asking, Yeah, <laughs> which is great. But, you know, uh, the thing I like about you, Daryl, is the message that really this show is about, and it's always bringing your A-game. And I, I really right. want to uh, go back to that, because you truly uh, epitomize that of a young man who's bringing your A-game and entertaining so many people. One of the things you talked about, and I really admired about a performer who actually enjoys what he's doing and realizes that his 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 whole thing is to entertain the audience. And I think that's great. Uh, so you've yep. talked about one of the things, your career. I, I had this intriguing question. I said, I'm going to ask Daryl this. Daryl, did you ever think about doing something else? <laughs> you know, early on I did. Uh, uh-huh. In high school was the only time I really thought about doing something else. Okay. Because I... I I didn't think seriously mm-hmm. about music until uh, after high school, and we went straight to Japan. Mm-hmm. So, okay. But before mm-hmm. that, I, I was in school, you know, before I left. And then, I, mm-hmm. of course, I got back in school after the fact. But uh, I wanted to go uh, somewhere in, in, in law or law enforcement, you know, uh, specifically <laughs> wow. uh, because of the way things were. Uh-huh. In in San Diego in the black community at the time, uh-huh. so, but I think I made the right choice going into music. I'm enjoying myself. Well, what were some of the challenges that you had to face? And this will help some of those who are aspiring out there to be musicians. And you know, it's not an easy life. But what were some of the challenges right. you had, and how, what, uh, how did you overcome them? Um. Well, the main issue that I had early on was. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I always loved uh, performing in front of an audience, but mm-hmm. I, used, I used to have an issue speaking in front of a large crowd. Wow. I, I mean, that was mm-hmm. the main issue. I mean, I could perform in front of a large crowd all day, and I could run mm-hmm. through the audience and all that stuff, but I never, I never necessarily want to speak over the mic as a front person. So that's something mm-hmm. I had to really work on. And if, you know, if you watch me now, you can't even, you can't shut me up on the mic, but <laughs> it took me a minute, you know, to really um, bring that out in myself because I never could speak in front of a lot, uh, large crowd or audience. Well, what I did never you do to overcome to. that? What did you do to overcome that? Did you just hit it head on? What did you do? Well, this is what happened. Uh, even though, once again, I've always been a side man. After mm-hmm. I released my first CD in 2007, I was mm-hmm. doing gigs, you know, like a... a a CD release party and, you know, things like that. And because I had an issue with, you know, wanting to speak in front of a large audience, I always hired a uh, dynamic front person like a saxophonist mm-hmm. or a uh, vocalist or something like that. But the thing that helped me is the same trend kept happening over and over and over again. I would mm-hmm. hire somebody for my gig and then they would act like it was their gig. <laughs> oh, oh, you see? wow. So okay. That kept happening. That same mm-hmm. uh, dynamic kept happening over again, over and over again. So mm-hmm. at that point, I felt like, you know what? I'm putting a position where if I want to even perform live with my own uh, band, I need to just overcome this. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much forced myself to do it. You know, you, you talk about a technique that I use when I'm telling people about, you know, your fears. And there have been books about this, and it's called Facing Your Fears, uh, right. just doing it head on. Uh, and so it sounds like that's what you did. You just, you know, yeah. but you were sort of forced into it uh, by all this negativity. Yeah, I didn't have a choice, on. really, at the point. I mean, at that time, mm-hmm. you know. At, so, and, you know, Daryl, did you find uh, as more and more that you did it, you got more comfortable with it? Once you face that fear of facing that audience and speaking to them. Absolutely. And also another uh, technique I use is I almost Mm -hmm. took myself away from who I really was and Mm -hmm. would, you know, in the beginning, pretend to be somebody else, you know, and that's what helped me almost like acting in a sense. Okay. That's what helped me early on adjust Mm -hmm. or break away from that, from just being afraid, because I had something um, traumatic happen to me when I was in the third grade. Mm-hmm. I used to have a serious stuttering problem. No and I remember kidding. the, yeah, in my, you know, in my uh, younger years, and I remember the uh, teacher would ask us to stand up in front of the uh, um, classroom and, you know, ask everyone to stand, uh, mm-hmm. put your right hand over your heart, please begin the national anthem, right? Okay, so on my day, it was always in alphabetical order. In my day, I pretended to be sick uh, when it was my turn turn, in alphabetical uh, mm -hmm. order. I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be my day tomorrow, so I'll pretend like I'm sick so I don't have to do it. And then they can move on to the next person. So I pretended like I was sick. I came back the next day. And the teacher says, oh, that's right, Daryl was absent yesterday. Hey, Daryl, it's your turn. And it was like I saw a ghost at that time. Oh, my goodness. I completely freaked out. I really did not want to speak in front of an audience because I knew 
it was going to be hard to get the words out. And sure enough, it was very hard for me to get the words out. It was really traumatic. And, you know, that was, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. made it hard for me to want to speak in front of an audience. And that was, wow, that was, actually, that may have been in the second grade. So I might have been seven or eight years old at that time. Isn't it interesting how those early on experiences, it's like the computer, uh, your brain, yeah. it never it never leaves. And there are things that spark back that memory. And thank you for sharing oh, yeah. that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, oh, no problem. How did you overcome the, the stuttering? Did that, would that evolve? I mean, did it disappear as you grew older? It kind of uh, disappeared as I grew older, but I also mm-hmm. learned how to uh, take my time when I talk. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because if you have a serious stuttering um, problem, it's like when you get either excited or mm-hmm. really nervous about something, especially if you're excited or, well, or nervous, either way, you're going to stutter. And also, you would almost anticipate yourself um, stuttering before you did. So that's another thing is I had to take my way from, uh, take myself away from thinking about it as well. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helped it go away. But it, it took a little time for it to go away. But, you know, it's something I really worked on as well. And, and you know, I think on. that's important for listeners to know that a talented musician such as yourself, and you felt very comfortable with your musical career, but there were other mm-hmm. things that you had to face uh, and overcome right. them. And uh, that is so important, I think, for people just to hear your story, your transformational journey. Uh, and so, yeah. Daryl, what it seems, too, that you've put a lot of work into yourself. Uh, one of the things uh, that I know about you uh, personally that unlike a lot of musicians in the industry, you are married with children. And more importantly, yeah. you've been in this relationship for well over 20-some years. And I want to yeah. applaud you for that because my question was, how did you manage uh, a career as a musician and balance it with wife and children? You're traveling, you're playing with all these greats. How did you manage that? And you have such a great family. Thank you. The truthful answer the, the really the most honest answer I can give and the most mm-hmm. truthful answer I can give is mm-hmm. that my wife is very patient. That's, That's good. the absolute truth. Mm-hmm. She's really patient. Mm-hmm. And even when it was really hard on uh, both ends, mm-hmm. we always, you know, even, we, you know, we went through hard, hard uh, times as well, you know, with communication mm-hmm. and stuff. But she was always very patient. And I think that's what helped. And that's what helped change me as well. Well, how did this impact on your children? Because obviously, I mean, you have two wonderful children, very solid and very, very bright. Your son is studying computer engineering and your daughter is getting ready to go off to college. And she, I predict that girl is going to really make her mark, probably in politics. Who knows? But but you've raised some great kids. You've got a wonderful wife. And I want to applaud you for doing that, and I'm not saying that all musicians don't have this stable life, but I, right. I, I do know you have a stable life. And do you think that most musicians have the stability in their home lives and marriages as you do that you've met? Well, it's tough. Some do. I would honestly say about 50-50. And I know okay. a few musicians that have been married more than once. <laughs> I'll just say, you know, married more than once. Uh-huh. Uh so it's about 50-50, or actually more, more probably, honestly, 30-70, uh, okay. 
marry 70% uh, divorced or single, not 50-50, more, more 30-70, I would say. Well, from what I, I've seen, your children adore you. Uh, what yeah. was your, what's your secret philosophy on having a, a good relationship with your children when you have to travel and you're on stage and, you know, you're giving a lot to other people, Daryl, let's face it, you yeah. know, so how did, how did you, you know, manage that? I think uh, communication. Uh, okay. You know, if it was in the 80s, it would be much harder. But because, you know, we have the iPhones and iPads, I could, uh, I could, uh, mm-hmm. I could FaceTime in mm-hmm. if I was out of the country or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that made it a little easier. But once again, I still have to give the credit to my wife because mm-hmm. she was always supportive of them when I was gone mm-hmm. and always helped them when I was gone. So she never uh, made them feel like he's gone because he doesn't care or he mm-hmm. doesn't want to be here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she always uh, let them know that I wanted to be there. I just couldn't be there. If I mm-hmm. missed the graduation, mm-hmm. if I missed the special award they got and I was out mm-hmm. of town, mm-hmm. you know, she always let them know he wants to be there, or I would always call first and let them know how much I appreciate them and how proud I am of them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once again, I have to give her the credit because she always made them think that, or, or always let them and, you know, convinced them to, to know that I care. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Even when I would say I did, still, you mm-hmm. still need, you know, because a lot of times you can say, I love you, I love you, I love you. And if you're not there, the kids are like, yeah, sure you do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Well, it's an interesting question uh, that I asked you that because uh, obviously your wife has been the stabilizing force uh, in the marriage. And I think it's so important. It's almost like two yeah. people can't be on the road uh, and have children. So the decision to have children, really to have her be that stabilizing force, you've been blessed, let me tell you. Um, right. This might be a difficult question to ask, okay. but I said I'm going to ask it anyway, because today, <laughs> in today's climate and environment, with any musician or any person who's out front, uh, male, uh, what happens is how you manage to offset, obviously, many women fans who, you okay. know, see you on stage. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know in today's world, this is a tough question, but how did you manage to just maintain your cool? <laughs> well, I think, and I would say to anyone who's on the same uh, page as I am with this, always mm-hmm. consider what you have to lose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always consider what you have to lose for one night of fun, right? Mm-hmm. It's about everything you have to lose. And is it really worth it? It's not. Right. And that's always been my philosophy. Well, it, it's held you in good stead, I, I, I do believe. And I just wanted to ask that question because I, you know. That's a good question. I mean, you're bombarded. And particularly nowadays, times have changed since the 70s and the 80s, uh, truly. And uh, I just was intrigued by asking, uh, you know, that question. I'd ask that question if I met any uh, fan, you know, football star, you know, athlete, you know, it's just something that's really, uh, I think, common to them that they have to deal with that. And particularly if they're married, they have to deal with it. So, Mm -hmm. so we're here uh, ending up the 
celebration of Black History Month. And right. are there some of the jazz uh, legends uh, are those that you most admire and why? Well, uh, I look up to a, a lot of them for uh, different reasons. The reason I think I like Miles uh, Davis is because, I mean, he was also a great musician, but he also was never afraid to speak his mind in the 50s and 60s when that mm-hmm. was not popular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, okay. he was never afraid to speak his mind about what he felt was uh, going on musically. Like, for example, did, he always uh, felt like uh, everyone was uh, um, I'm trying to act if he was competing against Chet uh, Baker, is that his name? Yeah. Chet yeah. Baker is uh-huh. a great trumpet player. Right. And uh, Miles used to always say, I'm not competing with anyone. I'm not in competition with him. And, and the main thing in that situation is, is it was a black and white issue. Mm-hmm. Miles was black. Chet was white. Mm-hmm. And, and they were actually friends. Okay, so he, he didn't buy into it. And, and he always spoke the truth about how he felt about that whole situation. And, and that's one of the things I admired about him. Especially, you know, but uh, musically speaking, there were so many guys who who uh, who inspired me. Uh, Herbie Hancock and his ability to change in each uh, generation. You know, musically speaking, uh, of course, Quincy Jones. He's another one. In that oh sense, yeah, he transformed uh, himself mm-hmm. as um, um, just a trumpet or a musician to a composer then producer. He. He really transformed himself, and there was, there was just so many artists, you know, that I was influenced by. Uh, Wynton Kelly, uh, Wynton Marcellus, later on, of course, and oh yeah, uh, and and all the bass players you mentioned, uh, Charles Mingus, uh, Paul mm-hmm. Chambers, all those guys influenced me as well. I mean, I used okay. to listen to the music all the time in my late teens, early twenties. I think I mm-hmm. predominantly listened to Straight Ahead all traditional jazz at that time. Right. Well, I, yeah. I, my, my brother was a jazz collector and I, at one time, my, one of my, I won't say this publicly, but one of my husbands, <laughs> um, was a jazz collector. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I, I became a jazz enthusiast because, uh, it was in the house and we listened all the time. So that's why I know some of the jazz legends, uh, and I love jazz. So I, I just mm-hmm. really, want to thank you so much for being transparent and honest today and really having um, bringing that man to the A-game. And I want to, when we come back from break, I want to really explore what you mean by always bringing your A-game. And I love okay. that. I, I really do. Um, and so we're going to share with um, the audience a little bit about what does Daryl mean when he talks about bringing his A-game, Daryl. But before we get there, I want to ask you this really brief question and answer very succinctly. What has been the most satisfying moment of your life? Or moments? Uh, professionally Give me one real quick before we go on break. <laughs> Would you say uh, personally or professionally? It could be personally or professionally. We got one minute. I think the most satisfying is more uh, personal, watching my kids grow and and their success. That's That's been the most gratifying thing to me. I mean, uh, for me, my son's at UCSD, kicking butt. He's doing great. 
And my uh, daughter, once again, she's about to graduate high school and then go off to school. And she's, she's doing great as well. And they're both really grounded kids. So that's, that's my, that's the most satisfying thing to me is looking at my kids. Thank you for sharing, Daryl. And we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with my guest today, Mr. Daryl Williams. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to my show today with my guest, Mr. Daryl Williams, who's performed and toured with the Who's Who of Smooth Jazz. And we're having a great conversation today, and I'm so excited. One of the things, this year, 2018 is going to be the most exciting one. Well, maybe there will be going to be more, but he's released his second single called Do You Remember? And I am so excited today. We're going to hear a little bit about that. It's number 12 on the Billboard charts. But before we get to that, Daryl, I want to ask this important question. What would you say to young people who have an interest in becoming a musician today? Well, the first thing I would say is decide exactly what you want out of the business. Decide what you want to be, what you want to do. Now, if you just want to be creative and, and explore music, okay, then go to school for music. If you want mm-hmm. to be successful then go to school for business because the music industry right now is different. It's not about, of course it is, it's always about the music, but it's more Mm -hmm. so about marketing and the Mm -hmm. business is more important. So I would say to go to school for marketing or uh, business management Mm -hmm. or the music business, et cetera, because that's more important right now than music. That's what I would say first. So actually, it's becoming an entrepreneur and being able to be that entrepreneur to manage your own business, to be able to market it. So that's good advice, Daryl. Um, and yep. if you want to be creative, you can do other things because the music industry is wide open for people to run uh, the technology, to do run the keyboard, to do all kinds of things in terms of record producing and all of that. So it's, right. it's really wide, wide, wide open. Now, I want to get back to what we were going to talk about really quickly is okay. what do you mean by bringing your A game? with you that means always always give 100 percent 
it's it's an opportunity and a privilege to perform live with other individuals, mm-hmm. and I don't take it for granted. And okay. I don't think anyone should. So always bring your A game. It's a it's real it it really is a privilege to perform live, especially to make a living at it. That's mm-hmm. a privilege, you yes, know. It so is. always always bring one hundred percent. Don't slack off. If you're going to slack off, then do something else. You can always do something else. Well, I, I'm glad that's, you that's mentioned that. That's how I feel about it. Well, I, I, when I when I saw that, and I know that's one of your uh, one of your mantras is always bring your A game. But bringing the A game, not just only in the music industry, but in any career and anything that you do, right. you do the best. That's what I hear you saying. Do the best. Right. Give that hundred percent of your performance, no matter you, what you, you do. You don't have to be. I mean, you don't have okay. to. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's not a, a competition thing, right? So you don't have to mm-hmm. try to be um, better than the next guy. Just be your best. Always be your best. Always bring your A game and your 100%. That's, well, that's I can certainly I can assure it. the listeners out there that Daryl brings his A game when he's on stage. I can tell you that. Uh, and it's just wonderful to see him operate and uh, work his craft. One of the things, uh, Daryl, you wrote this uh, song. Do you remember? Now, this is not your first. This is your second. Your your second CD was here to stay, and then this one. No, actually, was, that was. Uh, was that your first one? Well, that was the name of the CD, but the uh, single was also here to stay, which was the uh, single was released in uh, June of last year, mm-hmm. and the uh, oh. CD was released. The full CD was released in August, but um, um, do you remember? is the second single off the CD here to stay. Okay. Well, yeah. this uh, second single, Do You Remember, what inspired mm-hmm. you and what is the message you want people to take away with that? Do you remember? Well, when I wrote that song, you know, and mm-hmm. I hear it now and I don't, I don't think it sounds like that, but I wanted to write something that was funky that reminded me of growing up and playing with my brother. <laughs> who, who's a great guitar player. But as I started to write the song, because at first I was thinking, I'm going to write a song that I don't care if it goes to radio or not. <laughs> when I first started writing this years ago. So I didn't complete it until early, I mean, late 2016 is when I kind of completed that song. Mm-hmm. But, or I was close to com- you know, completing the song. Uh, but when I was first writing the song, I was thinking... You know, I don't care if this goes on the radio. I'm just, I just want to write something funky. And as I started to write the melody, that whole concept began to change because I started thinking, wow, this, that's a nice hook. Hey, I like that. that. Actually, maybe this will be a radio song. <laughs> you know, that's how that song happens. And that's why it's called uh, Do You Remember? Because I definitely remember about those days, you know. I'm remembering the guy that plays uh, that song, Funky, Funky. You remember he talks about that? And I know you're this jazz yeah. artist. Is... <laughs> so when you said you wanted from, something uh... funky, well, we're, we're going to um, thank you for sharing that about writing something funky. Do you remember growing up yeah. and playing with your brother? You know, honestly, the, the thing I love is your infectious enthusiasm about what you do, Daryl, and it comes across. Um, one you. of the things that I, I wanted to share uh, that as we close the show today, uh, 
Daryl, and again, I want to thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being so mm-hmm. authentic and transparent to share your transformational journey. And I just can't thank you enough. And as we wrap up the show today, I want to just have the listeners um, sort of tune in. What, who is Daryl in five words? Give me five words that describes Daryl Williams as we close the show. Okay. Honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, hardworking, mm-hmm. Uh, funny, <laughs> serious. Is that four so far? That's four. Four? Uh, so I need one more good one. A <laughs> 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 good one. Uh, ambitious. You got to say lovable. Lovable, of course. <laughs> of course, lovable. But ambitious, I would put at five. Okay. So I'll remove one of those other ones. Uh, I'll remove funny for lovable. How's that? <laughs> okay. Well, I no, I, I just said that because I find you as, as being such a loving father and husband. Thank that's you. why I threw in the lovable because that's what I see when I see you with your family. Uh, a loving. And also your mom and dad. So I hope mom yep. and dad are listening to the show. And I want to give a shout out to your mom and dad for raising wonderful, you. wonderful young men who are talented and who are inspiring people today. Now, I want just one little last question, and that is before we wrap up the show, because there has been this hype, again, um, during this month about this great movie, Black Panther. What? And have you seen it? Have you seen it? Yes, I did. What did you take away from this movie that you can tell me in five, (laughs) <laughs> five work no less than that but what did you take away from that movie that you can share with the listeners well and I don't know if, if I'm reading into you know other things no, but it's just you know what, what you, I got from what the you movie, took away yeah uh, personally was that we need to stop trying to tear each other down mm-hmm. okay you know we could always we could always work together and bring something really successful together rather mm-hmm. than if somebody's at the Top, we always want to tear them down, and you um, right. um saw that with the uh, cousins, with the fight, of course, mm-hmm. the uh, who was actually the Black Panther, etc., mm-hmm. and also the uh, the um, generals is as well. You had uh, uh, one who was um, committed, and another who was envious. So it was it was interesting. I got a lot from that. It movie. is interesting. It is interesting. And so a lot of people have taken away a lot of messages uh, from that. Yeah. But I tell you, I did see what unforgiveness can really bring about. Unforgiveness. Forgiveness, uh, there you go. And dishonesty. Yeah. The things that it can play havoc on people. So yeah. I, I just want to say this to all the listeners. I want to thank you so much for listening today. And I want to leave you with these words. Health and happiness and success depend on the fighting spirit of each person. And the best thing is not what happens to, or the big thing is not what happens to us in life, but what we do about what happens to us in life. And as you heard today, a young man who revealed today at third grade, six or seven years old, he had a stuttering problem, but he overcame that. And so there are so many things that he had to overcome to be where he is today. So I encourage you Fight on and continue with courage, commitment, and confidence that you can transform your life if you believe you can do it. So I want you to stay tuned in next week as we'll have another very inspiring story for you on your transformational journey. 
And I know you have many more unstoppable moments in your life. And don't forget, you can download all of my shows via a one app, Dr. Barbara Young. And I want to thank you for listening. It's a very fantastic week for you. Have a great one. And I want you to enjoy your life. And thank you for listening. We're going to close out today with a wonderful song, Do You Remember? So, Daryl, any last words you want to say before we close out with Do You Remember? (laughs) Uh, I want to thank you for having me on the show. I want to thank all the listeners, and I want to thank everyone in general who has supported my musical journey, and I want to give a shout-out to my lovely wife, Miss Violet Williams. Mrs. Violet Yeah, yeah, Miss Violet. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. So, as we leave today, again, thank you for listening, and enjoy your day. Appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week.